Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. The same place opponent shows keep rolling on as we continue with the AFC South previews and move on to 2015's third place finisher in the optimistic Jacksonville Jaguars. Will their aggressive offseason pay off or will they be starting over again next year? Colton Manziel from Big Cat Country joins us on the AFC South preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. The opponent preview shows keep rolling on as we bring to you number four out of 14 preview episodes, uh, getting you ready for the 2016 campaign of our beloved Chicago Bears. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for part two of the AFC South preview, this time bringing you the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we'll have our guest Colton Manziel from Big Cat Country on SB Nation uh, to talk about the uh, the Jaguars and uh, this the whole division. You heard me talk about it with Dan Cotton and the Tennessee Titans show uh, last time. The whole division really it, it it really does intrigue me because all four of these teams. Um, I mean, it, it was just a horrible, horrible division last year. Indianapolis suffered greatly with the absence of Andrew Luck when he went down. He was in and out of the lineup and then went down for good uh, with an injury last year. Uh, the Jaguars were, you know, had bright spots on offense. Blake Bortles, Blake, Blake Bortles hopefully I don't screw that up too many times today, um, had a great second second season. Uh, Allen Allen uh, Robinson and and Hearns, uh, the wide receivers that he had, both thousand yard seasons, um, uh, and so on. Uh, the Titans with Mariota in the second round or the number two overall pick, he was a bright spot for them uh, last year. He you know he played very well in his first season. Uh, the Texans were the champion by default because they just happened to have more wins than everybody else. Not that they exactly deserved to make the playoffs, which they proved rather quickly by being shut out in the wild card round by the Chiefs in their own building. But all four teams had had lots of room for improvement. All four teams, uh, for the most part, the Colts. I'm really interested. I'm glad that they're the next show. They're the ones that I really want to talk about. Um, weren't as aggressive as as you thought they would be for a team that. That, you know, yeah, Andrew Luck was gone and, and they suffered mightily because of it. But you, there, there's more than that just going on with the Colts. And it really didn't seem too aggressive in the offseason for a team looking to, you know, regain their crown in the division. But everybody around them, the Texans were busy in free agency, Jacksonville especially. Tennessee not so much busy in, in, the, in the free agency market, but did huge in the draft, turning that number one pick overall into a ton of draft picks and bringing in a lot of help uh, 
that way. And, you know, but Jacksonville was really the one team that kind of killed it in both aspects. They went out and they got aggressive in free agency. Then they really kicked ass in the draft. They had some things fall their way. You'll hear us uh, talk about that uh, with uh, Colton here in the – here in just a few moments um nothing really going on with the bears only been a couple of days since the last time i talked to you Uh, i was wrong they hadn't wrapped up otas just yet they're getting close to yesterday uh they just had another ota practice yesterday today is the ninth i'm recording this on thursday um considering that i just released dan cotton's episode yesterday i'll probably wait a day or two uh to release this one so but uh, as of Thursday afternoon, not not much going on uh, uh, with the Bears. No real new news other than uh, Manny Ramirez out of the blue kind of retired. He didn't kind of retired, kind of out of the blue retired yesterday after OTA practice, basically saying that uh, you know the uh, I believe they said he was in his in his thirties now but 31 32 uh years old whatever he happens to be um you know you always kind of expect to have your bumps and bruises during this time uh of season as as your body gets back into the mix of things with football uh and everything but uh says that the uh body is not responding the way that it used to uh and when you're when you're not focused on football it can be dangerous you're going to get yourself hurt and uh his mind is elsewhere right now and that's all he needs to that's all he needs to see all he needs to know to uh to to make the decision to pull the trigger on the fact that uh he is going to hang it up so uh Manny Ramirez who has looked to be adding depth to that interior line whether to be challenging uh Horonis Grasso at at the center position or filling in in one of the other guard spots god forbid something happens he and Ted Larson were both brought in uh to solidify the interior uh, and add depth and you know bring veteran depth to the position now it's all on Ted Larson uh, as far as filling in that other guard spot the Bears that have not had a corresponding um, uh, roster uh, move to basically they haven't signed anybody to fill in his spot just yet um, they did uh, cut Matt Blanchard uh, today they did that earlier today and they re-signed a quarterback I believe he was from Dartmouth or, or uh, something like that let me see if I can pull that up real quick here on on uh, on Twitter, but um, you know Matt Blanchard was a was a small college guy signed by the Bears, uh, went to school in that uh, in that area, and um, you know kind of left the team, kind of hung on, was a practice squad guy, and so on, and then now he's uh, well now unfortunately he's uh, he's looking for work. So, um, but the uh, the quarterback that the Bears signed was a was another small college guy, and let me see if I can pull his name up here. Yeah, undrafted rookie free agent Dalen Williams uh, from Dartmouth. So, you know, he is the uh, the new number three guy uh, for the Bears that uh, will take the place of Matt Blanchard uh, now that he has been let go. So uh, aside from that, uh, no real activity uh, going on with the, uh, the Bears. So we'll just go ahead and wrap this segment up. Um, you know, from time to time, I, I often tell you guys, I'm telling you now, sometimes I record these after the interview. Well, this time I'm actually recording this before uh, I talk to Colton. So uh, not previewing, hey, this is what we, you know, you'll hear me talk about this with Colton and so on and so forth. I haven't spoken to him yet. I'm giving him a call here in about 10 minutes to get started. Then we're going to have our interview. So I'm going to shut up and then we're all going to go zooming into the future because the next time you hear my voice, I'll be talking to Colton Manziel from Big Cat Country on SB Nation about the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
So as we move along in this opponent preview season uh, that we have uh, moving into the AFC South, we move on to our, our brand new Jacksonville Jaguar correspondent from uh, Big Cat Country and SB Nation, Colton Manziel. Colton, welcome to the Chicago Bears Review. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate it, man. So this is your first time on the show, and when we have our new friends on the show, we Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What I'd like to do is get to know you a little bit. Uh, where are you from? How long have you been a Jaguars fan? And so on. All right. Well, uh, I guess to a lot of people's surprise, I mean, I, I was, I'm originally from Florida. Uh, I was born in Stewart, which is pretty far south of Jacksonville. Um, but both my parents went to the University of Florida, and so I grew up watching a lot of Gator football. And uh, Fred Taylor, when he was um, a player at University of Florida, when he was drafted to the Jaguars, um, you know, being in Florida and being a big Gator fan, they were instantly my favorite team. So I was able to enjoy, you know, a little bit of their, of their 90s success, even though I was pretty young. And uh, eventually my family ended up moving to Colorado. So I was pretty much the only Jaguars fan that I knew for most of my life um, out in Colorado. And, uh, but I loved the team. I, you know, I always kept up with them, watched every game, always went when I went to visit family in Florida, went to as many games as I possibly could. Um, regardless of the success of the team, as you know, it's no secret. The Jaguars have not been incredibly successful over the last decade plus. Right. Um, but, you know, I got into, uh, uh, I actually opened up my own YouTube channel and I started, you know, recording reviews and all kinds of things about the Jaguars and generated quite a following. And, um, you know, it was pretty cool to the point where I was getting recognized when I would go to training camp and stuff. And eventually the guys at Big Cat Country contacted me about getting on board with them. And, you know, of course, any, any chance I get to talk about the Jaguars, I'll take. So, um, so I joined up with them and, um, that's where I am now. I certainly don't contribute as much as I would like. And, uh, you know, Ryan and Alfie and Hank and Cole really run a great show over there at Big Cat Country. Um, I try to chime in whenever I can, but, uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm always following the team. I always have a strong opinion about the team. So I appreciate you giving me a ring and having me on the show. All right. And, you know, my my history with the Jaguar kind of goes back to the to the beginning. 
Um, as my mm-hmm. listeners on the show know, I am a self-professed uniform snob. Uh, that stuff really <laughs> matters to me. Like, I think what, mm-hmm. what Tampa Bay has done to their uniforms is an abomination. Um, I would agree, actually. And, yeah. and I also hate what the Browns did to their – I think they look like some broke-ass high school team now with what you know they're the only team in the league as far that i know of that has the name of their city across the chest like that it's so high school it's ridiculous but um you know the jaguars their first helmet they came out that solid black helmet with the jaguar logo on the side i just kind of fell in love with that uh instantly um absolutely and then you know as a the guy that kind of always roots for the underdog in 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 the 96 season um only their second year in existence, they go to the playoffs. They beat the Bills yep. in Buffalo. Then they, they beat Denver in Mile High, who was the number one team in the AFC uh, that year mm-hmm. with Brunel and McCardle and Jimmy Smith. And, and uh, it was Natron Means, wasn't it, was running the ball? Absolutely. Natron Means business, yep. All those guys, man. I, I, you know, I just kinda, and also, as an offensive lineman in high school, Tony Baselli was kind of an idol of mine. So, you know, he went to the Jaguars, their first ever draft choice. So I've kind of have a long history with the Jaguars. So I've also kind of been rooting for them to kind of pull themselves out from underneath this funk that they've been under the last few years. Well, I appreciate that. We can, you know, use all the well wishes we can possibly get. But those were good times. The 90s, um, like you said, I mean, Thunder and Lightning with Jimmy and and McCardell and Natron Means and then later Fred Taylor and, Brunel, Pacelli, all those guys, Tony Brackens. I mean, uh, those are the days we long for as Jaguars fans. And as the years roll on, we become farther and farther removed from the glory days. So we're ready for some winning as well. Yeah, had had a had a minor brief uh, period of success with Del Rio, with David Garrard, yeah. and and um, Jones Drew as the running back, and 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 so on. But uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's. It's 20 years ago now, 96, that first big season that they had. And then, you know, Tom Coughlin kind of kept it going there for a little while. Right. But, uh, you know, they always yep. seem to flirt with success but can never quite pull it off as a, um, yeah. you know, as a, as a semi-Jaguar fan, the 99 season drove me insane. Oof. I, I think it drove all of us insane. Yeah. There's, I mean, how many, how many people or how many teams have – ever been undefeated and lost three games all to the same team you know the titans beat us all three times that year you know if the titans didn't exist (laughs) maybe we are hoisting a lombardi trophy but it was nice to see dyson come up a yard short against the rams in the super bowl so we don't have to hear about them winning anything but uh still heartbreaking that was a that was certainly the year that it looked like nothing was going to stop us especially after you know destroying marino and jimmy yeah, johnson 62 to in 7 that in that game i remember that yeah. one. unbelievable but yeah i mean after that one i was like well this is a foregone conclusion jacksonville's going to the super bowl now and it just you know i was like well here comes tennessee they haven't beat them yet but they're in jacksonville it, it's gonna happen mm-hmm. and then it just from the beginning tennessee takes control of that game and it just it just didn't happen i couldn't believe it I remember it's a childhood memory of uh, watching Derek Mason return that punt for a touchdown and just throwing an absolute fit in my living room. I was, you know, just a, a, a kid at the time, but I was, you know, livid. It was one of my most emotional sports moments. And yeah. my parents telling me I needed to calm down, but they, little <laughs> did they, and I know I would never see them again in the AFC title. So, <laughs> yeah. 
So crazy, crazy. So we 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 fast forward uh, to 2015. Gus Bradley's third year uh, at the helm. Yep. There were highs and lows throughout the season. The highs, of course, being on the offensive side. Blake Bortles, year number two, uh, and, and with the team, 4,400 yards passing, 35 touchdowns, second in the league only to Tom Brady. Uh, Hearns and Robinson, 1,000 yards apiece. Um, even, you know, whenever Julius Thomas decides to pull himself off the injured list, you know, he contributes, yep. scores some touchdowns here and there. You know, that's the upside. And then the downside, of course, the running game was 27th in the league. Defense was 24th overall, 29th against the pass, and then, of course, 31st in points allowed. So, you know, talk about the right. 2015 season and the roller coaster that it was. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on a lot of good points right there. The, the thing about the 2015 season was it was, you know, we were in a terrible AFC South division that was really up for grabs the entire year until Houston kind of ran away with it at the end. But, I mean, you, you hit it. I mean, the, the offense was the best we've seen in Jacksonville in a long, long time. But, you know, the passing attack was the best, really, that we've ever seen. Um, even in those years, as you alluded to, with the Del Rio years, that was a lot leaning on the defense and the running game with Jones, Drew, and Taylor. But, you know, last year, um, Bortles, like you said, really took a step forward, I think, as Jaguar fans, we like to see him, uh, or we would like to see him cut down on some of the mistakes, but his, he's a gunslinger, and, you know, you kind of got to ride the dragon with him. He's going to force some balls. He's going to make some spectacular plays. He's going to make some, you know, mistakes. So you'd like to see him cut down on that a little bit, but I think the future is bright at that position. And, you know, Hearns and Robinson are obviously awesome. Uh, it, for those of the listeners who don't know, you know, both of them reaching a thousand yards. They were the first two to reach that stat. We had not had a thousand yard receiver since Jimmy Smith in 2005. So, um, I mean, it had been a long, long, long time. And, uh, you know, and Julius Thomas, as you said, contributed in the red zone when he was healthy. Um, it was a shame that he was banged up, but that kind of seems, that seems to be maybe part of the deal with him. Um, and then the defense was really where the issues were. And, uh, you know, along the defensive line, really could never generate a consistent pass rush. Um, you know, the defensive end spot, obviously, with Fowler, our third overall pick, getting hurt in the first practice last year. Uh, that was no good. Right. And Chris Clemens and Andre Branch at the end spots really didn't contribute anything. Both of those guys are gone now. Um, Sinderic Marks ended up getting hurt again, who was probably our best pass rusher from two years ago. Um, and like you said, I mean, the secondary didn't really play that well either. Uh, but the good news is um, a lot of upgrades have been made this offseason to hopefully rectify that, and hopefully the offense continues on their um, you know, upward, upward trend. But Overall, for, for the 2015 season, there were so many games where it was like, you know, how did we not win that? And then there yeah. were also games where you said, how did we win that? You know, <laughs> if you think about the the Ravens game with, you know, Elvis Dumerville pulling Bortles' face mask and with no time left lining up a 55-yard field goal to win. Um, but it was it was a roller coaster, like you said, and you know, down to the very end with, uh, you know, playing the Titans on, on Thursday night and, 
even blown out the Colts at the end of the season, even when we were five and eight, you know, a lot of Jaguars fans were looking at it and saying, "Hey, we still have a shot to win this thing, right?" Um, and get to the playoffs. So it was definitely uh, exciting from that perspective. You know, usually as a Jaguars fan, you're in October, you're thinking, "Okay, when's the draft?" Right. But um, this season, that was not the case. And even though we only finished five and eleven. There, there were certainly positives, and with that being said, this year now, with it being Gus Bradley's fourth year, um, really, you know, a lot of the pieces seem to be in place. It's time to really see a, a drastic change in the win column, and if that doesn't happen, then uh, it may be time to make a change at the, at the head coach spot, because this is a talented team. Did you, were you surprised that he got a fourth year? Because... Um... You know, I know that you've talked to the guys at Football is America before, and when I talked yeah. to them last year during the season, all of us were basically putting Bradley in that soon-to-be-fired list just because yeah. he's, been at, he's been the coach three years and he's only got 12 wins to show for it, and he's a defensive yep. guy, and that's the weakness of the team. So it, usually when that happens, the guy gets the, gets the boot after three years. Were you surprised he came back for number four? I was I I wasn't so much surprised that he came back for number four as I was surprised that he was actually given an extension through the 2017 season. Right, that was a head scratcher for a lot of us, um, especially over at Big Cat Country, because you know what's you know why would why would you do that um, when like you said I mean for all the reasons you said he's a defensive coach the defense hasn't really performed under his watch. Um, granted, I, I, you know, the, the one thing that I'll say about Gus and the regime that he inherited, especially Dave Caldwell, our GM, you know, Gene Smith, who was the previous general manager, really left, in, in my estimation, one of the worst rosters in NFL history for them <laughs> to fix. I mean, that two, 2012 season with Mike Malarkey, where we went 2-12, and 12, I mean, it was it was an absolute circus. I mean, we were not close in pretty much every game. And um, I remember thinking we have a long way to go. Yeah. That was the last time that the, the bears and the Jacks played and that That's game right. and Gabbert threw those two pick sixes. I'll never forget that. That game got way out of hand there. I mean, it was like tight going into halftime and in the third quarter, the wheels fell the wheels off. It was off. just, yeah. Yes. Cause, Cause I do uh, this little segment on my show that I call knee jerk reactions. And what I do is I have this little mini recorder and after each quarter, I kind of do a a quarter report. And after the first half, the first quarter, second quarter, it's kind of tight, you know, this kind of waiting for the bears to pull away from this thing. And then after the third quarter, it's like, yeah, the bears are up 30 going into the fourth quarter. So we might as well just pack it one in now (laughs) because the defense just scored 40 points in the the third quarter. So this thing is over with now. So, I mean, it was like a, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. That's that's a year that, as fans, we like to delete from our memory. And thank God our owner, Shad Khan, had the vision to fire Mike Malarkey and just cut our losses after one season because that was an absolute slow train to nowhere. And I, you know, I I never feel bad for Titans fans, but I will <laughs> say that I'll I'll never be afraid of the Titans as long as Mike Malarkey is their head coach. Nice, nice. So going into the off season now. The Jags, I think, were either were they were second or first in in cap space. Yes, we were first. First, okay. So it was the Jags, then the Raiders. I knew it was one of the other because the Bears were number yeah. three in cap space behind you yep. guys. But um, spent big money. 
uh, Malik Jackson, Prince of Mukamura, Tayshawn Gibson, obviously all on the defensive mm-hmm. side. You even bring in uh, yep. Kelvin Beecham from the from the Steelers to play on yep. the to play on uh, offense. You know, was there anyone out there that the Jags didn't go after that you wanted them to, considering you had about ninety million in cap space going into this one? Yeah, I mean, we we really had you know video game money to yeah. go after whoever we wanted. Um, and that was kind of the funny thing when, when we signed Malik Jackson to that contract and everyone was like, how do you pay him that much money? Well, even after his contract, we were still, I think, number one in the league in cap space. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that shows you how much money we really had to spend. As far as guys I wanted to go after, you know, I wanted to get Olivier Vernon. I know he ended up signing with the Giants and we were really there up until the last minute and the contract he got was absurd. It was, um, yeah, even, it really was. Even even still, uh, we had so much, so much money to spend that, you know, I, I honestly didn't even care at that point. Uh, the other guy, actually, you know, that I think none of us expected to be a free agent at all, um, who we didn't end up pursuing, was uh, Josh Norman. Um, right. And that was, that was before the draft. So, obviously, with Jalen Ramsey being drafted, um, that – eases my mind a little bit more but it was another situation where it's like we have so much money why not go out and sign this guy mm-hmm. um i kind of you know i was a little bit interested in mario williams um not terribly but uh just i, I would have liked to have added um an edge rusher i think you know malik jackson's going to be a guy who's going to rush from the three technique spot on the interior uh and i'm excited about that but uh, really edge rusher is, is kind of uh, up in the air right now for the Jaguars. Can you lean on and depend on Dante Fowler Jr. coming off an ACL, having never played it down in the NFL? Uh, that's that's a big question mark, and I would have liked to see us address that. Obviously, we tried to go get Olivier Vernon, and he chose New York. So um, I appreciate that Dave Caldwell at least tried, but I would have liked to have maybe seen that addressed uh, at some point. Well, we Bear fans are kind of in the same boat with you as far as we never got to see our first round pick play football last year either. Yes, so we're I kind of we you know, we drafted him to And I he was my favorite player in the entire draft. Was I he? wanted Kevin White, yes, absolutely. He is something else. He's an amazing talent. So I hope that that translates to the NFL because we drafted him to make up for losing Brandon Marshall. We traded him away to get him out of the locker room because he was a cancer once again. Yep. But uh, you know, and then for him to never see the field and Alshon was on and off with with his injuries and so on and so forth. Missing him last year was a was a big problem for us. So we're definitely you know feeling your pain on that one. Your top chick, you know, and especially since he was a guy he wanted to go to Jacksonville before you guys yeah. draft him. Like he came out and said. I want the Jaguars to draft me when just about everyone exactly. who wasn't a Jaguar fan was like, dude, why would you want, did yeah. you, would you, you're basically daring them to draft you. Why would you do that? But yeah. you know, he was a happy Jaguar. And then the first practice he, you know, I saw the, I saw the play too. It was just like just oh. one, that one awkward step. And that was it. And I knew, you know, people were saying optimistically, maybe, you know, it's just a sprain. And I'm thinking, Come on, guys. This the Jaguars. You know that's a full ACL tear. No question. You know this team never gets uh, uh, the, the lucky side of things. So why would we expect anything different? But a right. side note, I can't. Like you said, I can't wait to see what Kevin White can do with Chicago. 
Um, I'm a huge Alshon Jeffrey fan. Uh, I actually went to University of South Carolina. So oh, cool. um, huge Alshon fan. I've met him a few times. And um, so I, I'm really excited to see what those two can do in tandem. Yeah, it'd be nice to see. So speaking of, of the draft, big day for the Jags. I mean, it's Absolutely. funny. You guys had some like the like one of the fewest picks available as far as going in, but yet you still rank up there way high as far as what you were able to pull off in those first yep. two days. I mean, thanks to uh, Philadelphia and um, L.A. trading up to one and two, the possibility of Ramsey going number one to the Titans or, you know, things like that, that goes away. And then there was still a, a, a possibility that, that the, the Cowboys might take him at four. Yep. They pass on him, and you guys, there he is sitting at number five. You scoop him up right away. But the even bigger coup was day two when you mm-hmm. when your your pick comes up and who's sitting there but Miles Jack, a guy that was projected to be drafted by Jacksonville in the first round when all the mock drafts and everything were being done. So what a haul just in your first two picks. And then you get a guy like Sheldon Day in, in day two as well. And, you know, guys really killed it in the draft and, and all on the defensive side where the where the strides need to be made. Absolutely. I remember, you know, sitting there and I'm thinking, man, are the Cowboys really going to take a running back here behind an offensive line? I feel like Alfred Morris and McFadden will be fine. And sure enough, you know, they take and, and Ramsey falls to us. But like you said, I mean, the Miles Jack pick, I went into day one saying I either want Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, or Joey Bosa and to come out with Jack and Ramsey without having to really trade at all yeah. um, was, was amazing. And the, the other guy that, you know, you mentioned Sheldon Day, uh, which I like that pick a lot, but Tyrone Holmes was a, a sixth rounder out of, out of Montana, a defensive end who actually led the nation in sacks last year with 18, um, wow. an athletic freak, the combine uh, really, you know, that's an exciting player for the, for the Leo, you know, weak side, wide nine defensive position for us. You know, he may take some time to develop, but um, really, like you said, I mean, the, the, the Jaguars had on paper, what seems to be a very good draft. And of course with Ramsey uh, messing with his um, knee a few weeks ago, that all that scared us all pretty bad, but it seems like he's going to be good to go for training camp. That had um, to be an oh no not again moment, didn't it? Oh, absolutely! It was. It was like, are you kidding me? I, I looking at the headline, you almost wonder if it was. It was a joke, and yeah. um, it's like, are we being punked? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but you know, thank God he'll he'll be back and good to go for for training camp. So you know, you 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 have your off season. You're aggressive in free agency. You. You, you know, things kind of fall into your lap in, in, in the draft. Um, you know, so now we look at the team as it stands at the moment. And the one, one person that I was most interested in was uh, Luke Jokel. Um, mm-hmm. Number two overall pick a few years ago was supposed to be the second coming of Tony Baselli, you know, being yep. drafted and basically in the exact same spot that Baselli was drafted in, and number yep. two overall. And they, he, the last time that, that Jaguar fans see him on the field, he's given up four sacks to the Texans. Um, yep. And you signed Kelvin Beecham. And when I was the, – the two uh, NFL magazines that I bought both have him as the left tackle and Jokel as the guard. 
And then on top of it, Jacksonville doesn't pick up his fifth-year option. Are his days in Jacksonville numbered, or are they hoping he finds new life as an interior lineman? I, I would say, um, to be honest with you, I think his days are absolutely numbered. And uh, the, the thing that sucks for Luke was before that final game against the Texans where he you know, was basically a human turnstile, um, <laughs> you know, he, he actually had a decent year. Not great, but, but his best years thus far. But it was it, the thing with Luke, and, and I, you know, I kind of say this tongue in cheek because, well, I mean, he, he really seems to play well during most of the game. It's when we really need him to play well that he doesn't play well. And, you know, obviously that's the sign of a, of a guy who needs to be replaced. And I was actually sure. going to mention that Kelvin Beecham was, you know, maybe my favorite signing of the free agent class, or at least my favorite, you know, lesser known signing because I you know I think he's a he's a very gifted pass protector if he can come back from his knee injury then there's no question that he should be starting a left tackle I think this year for us and will provide um more protection for Blake Bortles now as far as the jokel to guard thing is concerned I'm very interested to see how he performs there he's he's a finesse player he's never been really a grinder um the run game which you know, as a guard, I'm not sure if he'll succeed on the interior because of that. And um, there, there are a few, uh, you know, you know, players for the Jaguars. Uh, Brandon Linder, who was our right guard um, previously, who really has played well. He was a second-year player last year out of Miami. Um, is switching to center, and we drafted AJ Can out of South Carolina, who is going to play uh, probably the right guard spot. And then you're going to have Luke Jokel against a few different guys in training camp, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he was he was essentially riding pine this year. Um, and you know, he he played right tackle his rookie year, so it would be useful to have him around at least for this season as a swing tackle type player. You never know what, with injuries on your offensive line when you're going to need somebody like that. But as far as him being a second overall pick, like you said, and people saying he's the second coming of Sonny Buscelli and, you know, sure thing. And people were even saying, you know, he was a steal because of the chief taking Eric Fisher and that Joko was a better player and, you know, all these things, he's absolutely not even close to um, lived up to his draft position and is the, probably the biggest and most obvious disappointment and uh, from the Dave Caldwell drafting regime I guess you could say uh, because you can really point to him and say he has not lived up to, to anything um, that that we thought he would or hoped he would so I think Kelvin Beecham will be the left tackle for the Jaguars this year I've, I'm not even sure I can say that I think that Jokel will be the starting left guard um, I wouldn't be surprised if it were Tyler Shatley or someone like that instead uh, but, you know, time will tell. I'm rooting for Luke. I hope that he can, you know, turn his career around on the interior maybe. But I, I wouldn't hold my breath, and I certainly would not be surprised if he were not a Jaguar very soon. Like he may not make it out of training camp. I, I wouldn't go that far because I think he has value as a backup tackle. And Sam Young is our other backup tackle and uh, really, you know, not – 
not a good player. Um, he he was our I'm sorry he was our backup tackle last. He's now with the Dolphins. But um, the point I'm trying to make is that he you know it had to play in a few spots last year. And when you have a guy who's not very good as your immediate backup at either of their tackle spots, you really feel the pain. And I think that Luke, at the very least, can be a serviceable backup at the tackle position. So I would I would be surprised if he wasn't if he didn't make the roster. However, as far as re-signing goes at the end of the season, I I definitely don't expect anything. Right. So on the on the offensive side, the other place that needed a little help was the running game. Um, you went out and signed uh, Chris Ivory. Hopefully, T.J. Yeldon uh, can stay healthy this year. Denard Robinson can help fill in the gaps there from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, is Chris Ivory the answer at running back? I mean, would you have wanted the Jags to take Ezekiel Elliott on the off chance that they had passed on him in the draft? I, I don't think so. I think that uh, I'll, I'll say this. I think Chris Ivory's a good player. I don't even think he'll be the starter. I think that uh, they really like T.J. Yeldon, and I do too. He's Like you said, if he can stay healthy, that's, that's the, the question. But hopefully, uh, hang a spell back like – Ivory will really help that um, because, you know, Denard Robinson really, he's a dynamic player, but he has serious issues with ball security, and that tends to get him in the house with the coaching staff. And then Yeldon's out there for more carries than he probably should be and um, gets worn down, I think, especially as a rookie. So we'll see how he performs this year. But I really like what he brings to the table. And I, I like Ivory in a, in a spell role and uh, in potentially in some short yardage situations. Uh, the other guy the Jaguars have is Corey Grant. It'll be interesting to see. He's a, it'll be a senior player out of Auburn, um, and they really like him, especially in kick returner, but it'll be interesting to see if they try to incorporate him on the offense because he, he really has the um, track speed uh, that that's very rare in the NFL. So um, I want to say he ran in the mid-4-2s. At pro day, so they really like what he brings to the table. I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up keeping him over Denard Robinson. I really like Denard, but he just doesn't seem to have the coaching staff's confidence um, from fumbling a lot last year. And I wouldn't be surprised if if he didn't make the team. Unfortunately, then on the on the defensive side, uh, I was reading in one of my magazines that the um, they, they said that. Um, that the Jaguar fans are going to need a program to figure out who is on the defense now because it could end up having more than, you know, as many as six new starters due to free agency and draft picks and so on and so forth. And, you know, but we've already talked about them. Who is it that's still here that isn't new to the team that will be contributing on defense? Who, who's going to be – who's back this year that, that, will, that will still have a job uh, come sure. kickoff in, in September? That's a good question, and I think uh, – one of the guys that really stepped up for us last year who was a free agent signing from Green Bay was Devon House, and he'll certainly be back at the corner spot. He was a huge success for us last year, really stepped up to the plate as our, our best corner um, by far, and so I think that he'll, be, he'll certainly be back and, and starting opposite Ramsey. Um, and then, you know, Jonathan Cyprian's a guy who's the strong safety role. They, they like, or there's a lot of people that like what, what he brings to the table, especially now with the signing of Deshaun Gibson, because 
Sean's a, a ball hawking, you know, center fielder type safety, and that'll allow Cyprian to play in the box and um, defend the run. A lot of people like Paul Kozlesny. He's a popular player, but he's aging, um, is really abysmal in coverage, and uh, is starting to deteriorate as a run defender too. So would not be surprised to see Miles Jack uh, take over him in the middle, but Paz is a familiar face for those who have watched much Jaguars football in the last few years. And uh, then I think one guy that that's kind of an interesting training camp storyline is Ryan Davis. And this isn't a guy that many people will know outside of the, the Jaguars fan, but he is a drafted player um, from 2012. I want to say he's really been a good package uh, interior rusher for us one of the more efficient pass rushers in the league as far as snaps versus pressures. And he's actually making the switch to linebacker this offseason. And the Jaguars have a position in their defense called the auto, which is similar to a Sam linebacker, a strong linebacker, but um, with a lot more versatility where they can switch around to different sides of the formation. They can go to the weak side. They rush the passer more. And um, so it's sort of a versatile position, and he's going to be uh, tried out there. And he's an athletic player with a lot of pass rush ability. For whatever reason, the coaching staff hasn't liked to use him on the edge in the past. They've only been really on the interior. But I'm excited to see what he does, and potentially he, you know, he could be a huge contributor this year if he performs well in the offseason and the preseason. But like I said, as far as impact players on the defense go, it's mostly going to be new faces that are counted on from frequency in the draft. So it's exciting. We'll see what these new guys can do um, as they come together. Yeah, plus you also kind of have uh, – it's almost like having two two first-round picks with Dante Fowler finally taking the field, or so you hope, right? Exactly. And he's he's going to be counted on heavily. He's, he's our, our Leo or our, like I said, our weak side edge rusher um, on third downs and I guess on first and second down as well. And uh, – so he's going to be really counted on heavily to to get some pressure on the quarterback, even though he's never seen the field in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do. All right, and as we start to wrap things up here, we look finally at the uh, at the schedule, and you got Green Bay at home to start things off, then at the yep. road San Diego. So from one end of the country to the other, there uh, in the first week or so, then home for Baltimore, then technically a home game but you're in london for that fourth right. game against the colts and then that early bye week that week five bye week that couldn't have sat well when the schedule came out no no you never liked those early buys not only because it's bad for the team just because it kind of uh kills your vibe as a fan you know you're you're four weeks in you're ready to watch some football and you already have a bye that's so fun right so i mean and then you know what what's your feeling on 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 Shad Khan basically giving away a home game every year so that they can be in London? That's a that's a good question. It's a very often debated question among Jaguars fans. Uh, but I I love what Shad Khan has done for this organization, and part of that has the London experience. Um, you know, is it ideal to give away a home game? Not necessarily, but the Jaguars have. If, if you look at, you know, every year they come out with their um, their numbers and their uh, revenue streams and merchandise sales and everything. And London, really, the exposure that we've gotten over there has really increased the Jaguars' popularity 
as a team, you know, worldwide and obviously in London, but it's, it's given us, you know, extra money and, and things. Obviously we've made huge upgrades on the stadium. We have the two biggest video boards at Warhol at our stadium pools. Um, they're re- revamping the uh, touchdown club area this year, which is, you know, the, the lower bowl area where the, the big money ticket holders sit. And um, so, you know, Shad, it is controversial to give away that home game. And, you know, even for competitive purposes, it would be nice to be able to play that extra game in our stadium. But he has really put the Jaguars on the map uh, from a, a national and international perspective. I think that when the Jack, Jack, city of Jacksonville got their team, you know, back in the mid-90s, and Wayne Lee brought the team, who was our original owner, to Jacksonville, it was really a surprise to a lot of people. And it was almost as if the way he owned the team was like, we're just kind of happy to be here. Uh, when it, the team was sold to Shaw, it, it went from we're happy to be here to no, we want to make our impact on the league and we want to be, you know, one of the marquee franchises in the NFL. Now, obviously, that also has a huge part to do with the performance in the field. But as far as what the owner can control, I think he's done just about as good a job as anyone could ask for um, as far as putting the Jaguars on the map from all the, you know, all the ways you can that don't involve actually winning football games, which is hopefully the next step. Right. Um, Then after the bye... You've got a, an odd stretch there where you're playing five out of seven games on the road um, mm-hmm. before uh, before you finally finish off in the last quarter of the season. You finish three out of the last five at home. Um, but, uh, you know, aside from that, is there anything on the schedule that jumped out at you aside from that early bye week that you were like, hmm, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm very interested in, in this particular matchup? Well, I think that, obviously the opener against green Bay is going to be a huge uh, measuring stick right out of the gate to go up against the pack. It's always a, uh, an interesting test. Um, as a Jaguars fan, you know, you're we're always disappointed that we don't get many primetime games, but um, you know, is it really a surprise? Probably not. You kind of got to earn those. Uh, I think the end of the season, maybe, you know, against Denver, you know, in early December, that could be an interesting game, but I guess the the real the key is going to be winning those divisional games, and and you uh, have three to finish out the year. The last three games yeah, are all divisional, exactly. And and so I think that obviously there's going to be a lot of things hopefully to shake out in those final games, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see how we fare in this division. And and like like you said, you know, before the call how the other team's adjustments have affected them because, you know, as, as I see it, I think that we should stack up very well against the rest of the AFC South and hopefully make a run at this thing. Yeah, because that's something that, uh, you know, that I did want to talk about as, you know, as we kind of wrap things up is that, you know, um, the last show that I had, we talked to Tennessee Titans, uh, a gentleman named Dan Cotton from mm-hmm. 24-7 Sports, uh, you know, I asked him the same thing and, you know, bringing the perspective that, you know, all of these teams, the division was not well looked upon at the end of the season last year. The the Texans were the token 
team in the playoffs simply because somebody had the win to division <laughs> yeah. last year, yeah. and then they go and get shut out at home against the Chiefs in the wild card round, therefore kind of punctuating the quote-unquote joke that the AFC South was last year. Absolutely. All four teams, All four teams had big holes to fill, big room for improvement. The Houston and Jacksonville were aggressive both in the draft and in free agency. Tennessee did most of their work in the draft. The Colts are that one team that I'm kind of interested in because, yeah, they suffered greatly without Andrew Luck, but it's obvious there are bigger problems there, and they didn't really go out there and and be as aggressive as you thought a team like that would be, especially for a team looking to reestablish themselves as the cream of the crop in that division. Absolutely. The Colts are, as you said, and I think a lot of people around the league are saying, one of the more head-scratching teams. I'm not really sure what Ryan Grigson is, is doing up there, but you know you have arguably the best young quarterback in the NFL. Um, are you really going to waste him by signing a bunch of aging 30-plus-year-old guys like they did two years ago and really not even addressing the offensive line? I guess they, they did draft uh, the kid from Alabama at center, um, and that should help a little bit, but the Colts, I, I would not be surprised in the least if they actually were the basement dwellers of the division. Um, yeah. it, 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 it sort of seems like Gregson, the way he's built this team, is kind of leaving it to rot. You know, they're going to lean on Frank Gore again this year at the running back spot. The Andre Johnson signing was a disaster. Um, they have aging players all over their defense. And I, I just don't, other than Andrew Luck, and that is a big piece, so him alone can get you, you know, eight or nine wins. But other than him, you look around at the Indianapolis Colts and you kind of go, what's there to be afraid of here? Yeah. Yeah, you have, you have T.Y. Hilton, and yep. that's pretty much where it ends because on the defensive side you have Robert Mathis, and granted he has played well, but he got hurt last year. And, and father time know, has to catch up eventually. Yeah, he's got to be thirty-seven yeah. years old, right? So something like he's he's in he's beating the hell out of thirty, that's for sure. And yeah. Uh, you know, the time is going to catch up to him eventually. It caught up to Dwight Freeney and uh, and everything. It's just. Um, you know, if as far as, you know, like teams that I support, the, the Colts are my AFC team because I was a huge Peyton Manning fan. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of just kind of stuck with them to see how inactive they were throughout the free agency and everything. I was really kind of disappointed in, you know, watching Tennessee, Jacksonville and Houston recognize and go after and try to improve on their weaknesses the things that went wrong for them last year and watch the Colts kind of sit there and watch everyone else do something kind of left me scratching my head as well yeah I'm I'm very surprised that Ryan Grigson you know still has a job up there and uh just the the moves he's made apart from drafting luck you know trading a first rounder for Trent Richardson and the abysmal free agents he's signed. It's really been, apart from the luck pick, kind of a disaster. So yeah. I don't, I would not be surprised if he were not around um, next year as well as Pagano. So we'll, but we'll see. Yeah, but that actually, you talk about their, their lack of activity being a head scratcher. What, what shocked me was that not only are Grigson and Pagano back, they got extensions. 
as yeah. well. So, I mean, yeah. these two are supposed to be together through the end of the decade, and I don't even see how that's remotely possible given yeah. what's happened with them the last couple of years. <laughs> I, would, I would have to agree. So um, I'm, I'm always afraid of luck, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm supposed to have Josh Wilson from um, – from the SB Nation page for the Colts on next, and I can't wait to talk to him about that. Yeah, we'll see. So what he that's says. yeah, we will definitely have to wait and see on that. So, um, Colton, it's been a it's been great having you on. Um, as we always do, uh, would like to invite you back to the show the week that the Bears and the Jags play. It's Week Six. You'll be coming off the the bye, and hopefully, uh, you guys will be at least a five hundred team. Uh, coming into that uh, that game in Chicago, Week Six, I would hope so as well. I'd love to do it, Larry. Appreciate it. All right, Colton Manzel from Big Cat Country on SB Nation. Colton, where can we find you on Twitter? It's going to be at Colton Football. So hit me up on Doesn't Twitter. Get much simpler than it's a yeah. play. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's Colton Menzel, not Johnny Menzel. So it's... yeah, I know. I've I've made the distinction. Yeah. <laughs> It's like no relation to the to that whack job. I don't know no, what happened to that. No guy. relation to that whack job. No. <laughs> Name is even spelled differently, so it's it's That's not true. the same at all. No. <laughs> so, but uh, thanks so much for being on the show. We look forward to having you on week number six, and we preview the Bears and Jags, see where our teams are at uh, then, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Outstanding. Thanks a lot, Larry. Appreciate it. So that was our, our new friend, Colton Manziel, from BigCatCountry.com on SB Nation. Uh, like you said, you can catch him on Twitter, at ColtonFootball. And uh, as we as I mentioned before, as Colton just said, no relation to Johnny Manziel. The last name is even spelled different. They don't have that unnecessary I in his name like uh, Johnny Football does. But uh, that's where you can follow him on Twitter. And like I said, we hope to have him back uh, during the Week 6 preview uh, to talk about the Bears and the Jags, they'll be coming off the bye and uh, see what uh, see what the the first quarter of the season looks like for Jacksonville uh, when they come to Chicago and meet the Bears uh, in Soldier Field that week. So, you know, like I said, I'm very interested, especially with the the first two teams we've talked about in Tennessee and Jacksonville, both teams three and thirteen. 5-11 and 11 last year, lots of room for improvement, um, have been working their way through, through the draft, especially this past season for both teams. Uh, Jacksonville with that insane salary cap number that they had aggressively out there spending money in free agency and, and uh, you know, trying to dig themselves out of the defensive hole that they put themselves in. You heard me say it when I was talking to uh, Colton, you know, 24th overall, but they were 29th against the pass and 31st in points allowed. Lots of room for improvement on the defensive side, hoping that Dante Fowler can help him out with that pass rushing problem of theirs. They bring in Malik Jackson to kind of plug up the middle, draft Miles Jack in, in the second round to, to be, you know, their Sam linebacker, uh, which would basically kind of be like the Lance Briggs of their defense. And then along with Jalen Ramsey, hoping he can be a playmaker in the secondary with uh, Tayshawn Gibson, Devon House, like he talked about. Seems like Jacksonville have a lot of the pieces in there. Can Gus Bradley put that puzzle together and make it into something that will at least, you know, maybe he can earn that fifth year 
that he has. I mean, uh, I when I was reading in my in my magazine studying up for this, saying that basically he was given that one year extension so he wouldn't be a lame duck coach going into that final year. So the fact that he got that extension isn't exactly a vote of confidence so much as it is that you will get a fourth season or you know whatever the whatever the case may be. Not not exactly a strong vote of confidence, but one that that says that at least you're going to be able to 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 ride this thing out and uh you know get it done but uh if the jags falter again i wouldn't be surprised to see him uh shown the door uh at the end of the 2016 uh season regardless of that extension uh that they signed him to so we'll have to uh to wait and see how it all unfolds especially for the last two teams we've talked with the bottom dwellers in the titans and the jaguars when we come back next time we're going to go with the uh, and then, you know, according to the team, you know, like I said, I've got these magazines now and both both of them have Tennessee fourth, Jacksonville three. That's how they're going to finish again, both with Indianapolis and the Colts uh, or Indianapolis Colts and the Texans fighting it out uh, for first place. And uh, we'll see. Are the Colts ready to retake their crown or will the Jaguars hang on to supremacy in the AFC South? And the more important question, will either of those teams be able to do anything with it if they are the ones to represent the South uh, in the playoffs? I mean, because uh, te- the Texans, you know, as you heard me say to, to, to Colton, they were they punctuated the fact that they that the AFC South was a joke by representing the division in the playoffs and getting bitch slapped at home on national TV in the wild card round, not even scoring a point uh, against the uh, against the Chiefs. And uh, you know, with with the way that uh, with the way their quarterback played there in that playoff game, I mean, just what an unmitigated disaster uh, it was uh, for them. So it just uh, you know, we'll see. We have uh, Josh Wilson from Wilson from Stampede Blue on SB Nation. He'll be up. Uh, he'll be our next, and then we've got uh, Brett Coleman uh, from the uh, from the Texans page that will be on with us as well to wrap up the AFC South. Then we start moving into the NFC East, then the NFC North, and wrap things up with our beloved Chicago Bears and their uh, preview show. So, uh, three was it three four? This is the fourth one. Fourth one in the books. We got number five and so on to go on in these 14 preview shows to get us ready going into training camp for our beloved and the 2016 season. We'll be back next time with Josh Josh Wilson. Why is that a tongue twist? I have no idea why I'm having such a hard time saying that. Josh Wilson from Stampede Blue on SB Nation to talk about the Indianapolis Colts next time. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.